in Adelaide's West Terrace Cemetery, Kate Thompson is returning to the site of a 65-year-old family secret. Here lies the man at the centre of Australia's strangest Cold War mystery. A mystery to which Kate believes her late mother holds the key. She said to me she knew who he was, but she wasn't going to, to let that out of the bag, so to speak. You pretty much do accept that uh, she was a spy? I think so, yes. She had a dark side, and a very strong dark side. by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on why Alright everybody, welcome to episode 229 of the Art Jacob Do America podcast. I'm your host, in the place to be Mr. Jacob P, and sitting right across from me is the brown recluse Mr. Art Trail. Art, say hello to the millions. And millions! What is going on, you sick son of a bitches? Um, guys, uh, yeah, my name's Art. Um, hey, uh, go to kbancoffee.com, check out their entire inventory. They got the coffee beans, they got the hibiscus tea, they have the cacao butter... They have anything your heart desires, to be quite honest with you. Check it all out. Type in America at checkout to receive 15% off of your total purchase price. Uh, yeah, America will do that for you. It takes 15% off. Honestly, it's like the best thing that you could ever look up online by going to cavemancoffee.com. I can't. I literally can't think of anything um, that's better than, than going to cavemancoffee.com. Um, I think I, I just saw this thing that said like J Lo and Ben Affleck got broke up again. What? Uh, yeah. Sad. Episode over. Nah, we kidding. cannot continue. I'm kidding, dude. I just hate J Lo. Uh, <laughs> but did uh, they really break up? I don't know, dude. I, oh. just, I just make stuff up. Um, but guys, what I don't make up is going to KmanCoffee.com. Check it all out. Take a picture of yourself drinking the coffee, drinking the hibiscus tea. Tag us. Tag them. We appreciate. It. They appreciate it. Um, and that's pretty much it. And speaking of sponsors, guys, make sure you go to our pal, our good old put, good old buddy, our good old pal, Nicole Smith Bosch's uh, website. Uh, guys, go to sukarapparel.com, SKR Apparel for short. Uh, check out all the great merchandise that she has out there. She has an array of products, socks, notebooks, mugs, anything your heart desires with a great little design on it. So go there, uh, enter promo code Art and Jacob, and Nicole will give you 10% off your entire purchase price. And if you want 
to see somebody model these things. You don't want to see like you, you go, you know, you go to these apparel places and they have like those stock like families or stock models like modeling the the t-shirts and whatnot. If you want to see what this looks like in real life, go to our buddy Jesus's Instagram. He basically wears one of her shirts every single day. I mean, he wears the socks to the wedding. I mean, he's 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 repping SKR to the fullest. So if you want to see what it looks like before you, if you want if you want to look before you shop. Go to Jesus's uh, Instagram at jfwint on all the social medias. Then go to SKR Apparel, SukraApparel.com. Enter promo code Art and Jacob and pick yourself up some badass merchandise. But Art, we're not here to do a whole podcast about Jesus or Ben Affleck and J Lo breaking up for the 14th time or whatever and whatnot. What are we here to talk about today? Guys, this is part two. If you're listening to this and this is the first episode you're finding this out, there's a part one. So go listen to that one. Go back. But this is the um, what did we decide on calling it? What, what did you what did you label the first episode as? Because it really has two names: the the Summerton Man, the Summerton Man, the Thomas Shod case. Uh, but yeah, let's go uh, Summerton Man. That's that's probably its most famous uh, part two. F- f- famous uh, name. Yeah, this is part two of it. So if you did not hear the part one. Go back. We have a wacky time. We we uh, we do get a, a surprise guest on that one. Mr. Kanye West makes a small appearance on here. Uh, remember that time we had um, Kevin Hart Kevin Hart on here? Yeah, that was wild. Right? That was wild. He was only on here for like 15 minutes, unfortunately, but it was still like some of the funniest 15 minutes. It was <laughs> wild. I used my son's booster seat just to fucking <laughs> get him in view with the camera or whatever. Yeah, it was it was super crazy. Um, but guys, we're not here to talk about crazy things. We're talking about normal ass <laughs> shit right now. <laughs> like death, cold cases. Yeah. True crime. Uh, but just in case, uh, you already listened to last week's episode and it's been seven whole days or maybe a whole month. Like maybe you, you took a break from some true crime podcast or whatever. And you, you forgot about what happened in the summertime, man. You're like, fuck that. I ain't gonna go. I ain't gonna listen to the fucking part one again. Uh, just to recap, uh, basically in, uh, on Summerton beach in Adelaide, Australia, uh, there was a nice, well-built man uh, that was found dead on the beach. Um, they didn't know who it belonged to. Uh, they put, you know, the word out to all the English-speaking countries out there, like, "Hey, we got this dude. It's possible a uh, name T King. Uh, here's some stuff that was in his suitcase. Oh shit, we found this uh, little rolled-up scroll that said Tamam Shoot in it. Do you, if anybody has any idea what this means." turns out it was from this crazy fucking poetic book uh the rubaiyad and in the back of that book there was a phone number and that phone number belonged to a lady named jessica thompson who lived literally 1300 feet away from the dead body so we're gonna pick up right about there all right there was actually two phone numbers it's true the other one just kind of gets forgotten over time yeah it was a dentist an orthodontist if, if it don't fit the puzzle just get rid of it yeah it's easy yeah yeah so uh jessica thompson um who passed away in 2007 who also went by the name joe jesse exotic. harkness joe exotic <laughs> <laughs> damn goddamn carol baskin over there um uh, no, um, Joe, <laughs> Jesse Harkness, uh, Jetson, uh, Teresa Johnson, or Teresa Powell. Uh, but for the sake of the story, we're just going to call her Jessica Thompson. There's a reason why she had a bunch of names we'll get into later. But anyways, the police um, you know, got in touch with her and was like, hey, 
uh, your phone number is in the back of this book. And, oh, yeah, by the way, your house where you're living at that we're interviewing at, which you brought us some nice caveman coffee uh, while we're interviewing you, uh, literally about 1,300 feet away, there was this dead guy who had this scroll that this came from this book. Like, do you have any idea why that would be? Jessica played it straight up, told the police she didn't know why he was dead, didn't know why, didn't know him or why he had her phone number, uh, but did say that in 1948, about a year before this, uh, there was a man that was looking for her, and her ne- he was at her next door neighbor's house, and she didn't know why. Um, and so she said that was kind of weird, kind of threw her off her gills or whatever. Uh, but basically, she told uh, the police, she goes, you know what, you know, I I I know that this is a big investigation, it's in all the papers. Uh, but I would appreciate it if you permanently exclude my name uh, from all, you know, uh, permanent records, as it would be bad for embarrassing and harmful to my reputation. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, why? Why would you want your names and your name being associated? Well, it seems to- a little suspicious, right? Not really. I mean, if there was a if there was a dead body. On fucking whatever beach, and they're like, "Hey, Jacob, you know anything about this?" By the way, we're gonna put your name in the papers. Like, no, could you please not do that? No, not in the papers, in the permanent like records. So, like in the like detective files or whatever. So it's not like it's gonna be like on yeah. fucking the Bakersfield, California. Even then, it's like I, I got nothing to do with this. Can you like please not do that? Like, hmm. I I, didn't, I don't think there's. <laughs> I wouldn't give a fuck. Like, if I didn't have anything to do with it, like it would be like, why would I? Why would it matter? Yeah, I'm because maybe someone later down the line does a podcast and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> this person was on the was a was a name that was brought up by police." I don't know. Just this is it, I didn't think it was that strange. It was just really? it, it's not even that big of a request. I think it's just like, "Hey, like I got nothing to do with this. Can you not bring this up? Can you like not put me in in the paperwork? Like, there's no evidence linking this back to me. Can you not do this?" Well, um. Fortunately, there's some people in her lifetime <laughs> that disagree with you on that. Uh, uh, Mr. Jerry Feltis, who I guess was like a detective, like way uh-huh. back in the day, and as you know, most detectives, like once they retire, you know, he became an author, mm-hmm. um, and he actually got really obsessed with the Summerson Man case, yeah, yeah. and he started, you know, doing the you know the whole private eye thing and trying, basically, trying to solve the case himself. Uh, he actually gets an interview with her on the condition that you know she. She won't use her name, you know, in in his book. It has to be like a pseudonym or something like that. And so she went by the name of Jetson in the book, which I guess was like a a pseudonym, you know, that she had used like throughout the years. Uh, But basically um, he said like throughout the whole interview, uh, she she seemed very evasive, like when asking like very direct questions. Um, Like, would you have any idea like why somebody would be looking for you, you know, next door where you lived why your phone number would be in a book, even if like you had nothing to do with the case. Why why would there be something linking to you? Uh, you know, linking you, you know, why why would some would there be like a random book that had your phone number in it? That just doesn't make any sense. Like somebody just went through the white pages and threw it in there. Like, no, like why, what in your lifetime that you have done would have done, made you, you know, a, a person of interest at that point. And he said that, you know, she was very evasive. And then even uh, Jessica's own daughter, Kate, uh, I guess she went on Australia's version of 60 Minutes and said, you know what, my mom even told me that she lied to police and said that she did know the Summerton man, uh, but wouldn't, you know, go into 
any further details about it, but it was just like, yeah, I lied to him. And his identity is known by people that are above the police, which would indicate, you know, military or something like that. You know, that to me, it's not that I don't put a lot of weight into that whole thing, but during this time period, there was a lot of, not the mom's time period, so this is a little further along. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is when, like, a lot of people were, like, claiming to be certain people. There's a lot of, like, the D.B. Cooper fever is, like, out and, and about, and, like, everybody's D.B. Cooper. Everybody's willing to turn themselves in as D.B. Cooper. Everybody's a Zodiac killer. Like, everyone's this, everyone's that. Like, I don't put a lot of, even, like, the, the Black Dahlia, like, oh, my dad was a Black Dahlia. Even now that's happening where it's like, my dad was a Black Dahlia murder. Here's a proof. There's a stapler. And he wrote the <laughs> word black on it. And it's just like, <laughs> there's a lot of that. Like, to this day, there's a lot of that. And I, whether it's a, a cash grab, whether it's like, hey, I'm going to try to sell a book after this, like, whatever it is, it was, I think it was just something that fell into her lap. It it does, obviously, there's certain elements about this. I don't know if we were going to talk about the uh, the cast uh, the, the, in this scenario, that you know, the police show up to her house. Mm-hmm. They ask her, "Hey, can you come at least take a look at the body and see um, if you recognize, if you recognize at him at all?" Um, which I don't think they actually show her the body. No, just this the is a cast. while back, yeah. So they show her a casting of of the face, and according to them, the reaction is like, "Oh my god." And then, like, she, like, almost looks like she's going to faint. And she's like, nope, never seen him before. Uh, but then you think about it, and I, I could see how if somebody would have showed you, like, the body of someone, like, whoa, this is pretty intense. Like, mm-hmm. that's a that's a tough thing to see. But the casting of it and, like, and you the, look the, at the casting cast, of it. The cast it looks, is still around, and it, it doesn't look creepy at all because you're absolutely right. If you were to show me a dead body, like, I'm not going to flock to it, like, you know, the, the little kids and yeah. boys in the hood or whatever. Like, that's just going to be, yeah, like, no, I'm, that's going to sit with me wrong for quite a while. So I could see, like, how she would have, like, that ghastly reaction if she knew him or not. But to look at this cast, that is, it looks like a toy, to be honest with you. And to have, like, that kind of reaction also seems kind of suspicious to me as well. I, so the, the reason why I it is a little weird is that it, I don't know if suspicious, but... It it almost doesn't even look like the picture of him. Like it looks weird. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a fucking like somebody just took a doll and said like, "Does this doll look like somebody you know?" <laughs> and it's like, that's weird. This this was a person. This was walking around out there. Like this is terrifying. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just to me. It's just like if it it just it, it's not it's different than showing someone like a photograph. I wish they would have taken a photograph. Maybe they did show her a photograph or something. Photographs were around around this time period. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why they didn't just show her a picture of it. If they did that, then I would be like, "Oh yeah, she fucking knew who he was." But the casting thing was weird that they went with the cast. Maybe that maybe maybe the story has been lost in like time, and like they did show her also photographs or something. Maybe. Um, and that's why she reacted to that. Um, but I thought that was a weird thing. Um, I do think that that is kind of like the most like suspicious part of it and the most intriguing part of this whole thing that but she I will reacted say the, that way. But I will say, though, the Paul Lawson, the guy that actually did the casting and you know was with her when they showed it, he, that, that that story comes directly from him. So it's a first-hand account. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I could see that. Like, if, you know, it was a game of telephone and there was a lot of information missing in it. But, no, the actual guy that did the casting was, like, standing right next to her. And, you know, he was actually interviewed by uh, that Jerry Feltis feller. And he said too, like, yeah, it was it was a weird reaction because you you're right, like it like we didn't show her any photos, we didn't show her the dead body, we're showing her the cast, like, hey, does this look like anybody you've encountered in your life? And she looked at it 
freaks out, kind of was wobbly, and then refused to look at it from there, which everybody in the room was like, oh, that that's just weird and odd. But since they there was no direct evidence linking to her to the case, the cops obliged her and said, hey, we're going to go ahead and expunge you from all the permanent records. Yeah, I mean, then if, yeah, if there was definitely no pictures there, that's kind of a weird reaction. Because, um, and honestly, like, if, if somebody, I'm looking at the picture of him right now on my on my computer screen. If somebody showed me the picture of the cast, I'd be like, I'd n- never seen that guy before. Like, mm-hmm. even though I have a picture of him right now on my computer, I was like, <laughs> not. I have no idea. Especially since I'm, we're assuming that it's been at least a few years since they've seen each other. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's just it. It's kind of a weird thing. Like, it's just it's it's a weird reaction. That I'll say. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty weird reaction. Yeah. If, if all accounts are true and that's really what happened, then that is a weird reaction, especially to this cast. It doesn't really look like anyone on earth. Correct. It looks closer to like the Michael Myers mask <laughs> than anything else. Which is weird because the Michael Myers mask is actually a, a casting of a William Shatner mask, which yeah. is like, once you hear that, like Michael Myers is never fucking scary to me again. Even like the fucking revamped Rob Zombie version that like makes him like into like a death metal fucking version of Michael Myers or whatever. It's always like, oh, there's fucking a tall ass William Shatner coming at me and shit. (laughs) Man. Um, Yeah, I just, I didn't, I did not, I thought that was weird. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. When I first heard this story, I thought that was the weirdest part. I was like, huh, there's something interesting here. And, and I still think she's probably hiding something. Like there's some kind of Mm -hmm. past in like a dark past in her life. Um, especially at this time period where like women probably weren't, you know, it was frowned upon to have multiple lovers. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if she had more than one lover at one point in her life, she was probably viewed as like some like temptress of the night kind of bullshit, <laughs> you know, like, um, and that's probably, I think when I, when I heard this, I was like, ah, we have our first suspect. Yeah. But as I've like, let it simmer now, I've been like, she probably like slept with a few dudes and she's like, Oh no, it's coming back to haunt me. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel about it now. You're going to tell my mom. Even the daughter is like, yeah, so your your mom was like, yeah, I'm a Soviet spy. <laughs> 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 what? Why would you tell your kids this? So it uh, also, um, so she did, she tells, she tells the police that she doesn't have any idea who this guy is, expunge her name from the records, but she doesn't, it's not like she was completely like silent to the police. She does tell the police that she owned uh, a copy of the Rubaiyat while she was working as a nurse at the Royal North Shore Hospital in Sydney during World War II. And in 1945, about the same year, you know, that World War II is winding down, uh, she actually gives a copy to the Rubaiyat to uh, Mr. Alfred Boxall, um, an, Ast- an Australian Army lieutenant uh, who worked in the intelligence division. So there was some kind of connection there. You know, I don't know if they were just friends, they were secret lovers, or what, you know, they had a wild night on the town or whatever, but she gave him a copy of the Rubaiyat. And that's where police were just like, aha, we have our man. And so police thought that this Alfred Boxel feller uh, could have been the actual Summerton man. Yeah, I mean, when they do this, I thought like, yeah, we we got him. We got, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Yeah. Um, that's a shout out to when uh, they uh, killed Saddam Hussein when they were looking for... <laughs> Not Saddam Hussein. Um, But anyways, um, they go to his house. They're like, well, he does still have an address. We can at least go check him out, see see what's going on here. Mm -hmm. They go to his house. They find out he is very much alive and well. 
and is like, what are you guys talking about? Like, I have no idea. That was like many years ago, many moons ago. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and he also had a copy of the Rubaiyat, didn't he? Yeah, that was the one that she gave him. Oh, okay. She still had. Okay, so he still had the original one. Kind of creepy that he still held on to it after all those years. But yeah, so the co- <laughs> the police they actually look at his copy and they turn to the back page where that Tamam Shud uh, wording would have been. Uh, he turns there, they turn there, and they're like, "Oh, okay, it's very much intact." And yes, this is the copy that you know Jessica gave him uh, because she wrote her name to Mister Boxel from Jetson, and then proceeded to like you know uh, paraphrase a verse out of the Rubaiyat. Mm-hmm. So again, the Rubaiyat is kind of like this funky poetry book that I guess young lovers like would gift each other, and then they would quote from it, kind of like a fucking Drake album, or like you know when you see like those like single moms like on Facebook like quoting fucking Drake or fucking. You know, some dude, like, some Fred Durst motherfucker, like, you know, like, oh, the girl doesn't like me. It's just like Drake said. She won't let me sniff her underwear. <laughs> the Rubaiyat was kind of like that, like, in the 1940s. Yeah. It was kind of a fucking a mixture of, like, a Fred Durst song and a fucking Drake album, if you will. But yeah, yeah. Um, I guess uh, to kind of bridge this into, like, uh, the next, you know, part of this story, uh, Jess, you know, after the war, had moved to Melbourne and after the war, uh, Mr. Boxel had tried to, you know, get at her a couple more times by writing her some letters. And um, at one point, uh, Jessica said, oh, no, I'm married. And I'm married to Mr. Pro- Prosper Thompson. Uh, and this letter um, was received about, about 1946. But in reality, Mr. Prosper and Jess didn't marry until 1950. So there was... There was some mistruths to be had on Jessica's part here. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, okay, l- let me ask you a question, because I-, I have a feeling that you think that the mom had more to do with this than than meets the eye. And I think that something happened with the mom and maybe multiple lovers, um, and I think that the daughter's just a cash-grabbing, like, human being that's you know out we we're gonna to, say ho no i wasn't gonna say ho i was gonna say uh <laughs> i was gonna say something else i was gonna say a cash grabbing son of a motherfucker but that didn't really roll off the ah, tongue okay yeah um but anyways um <laughs> anyways i i just i have some troubles here this is the part of the story that like i feel like a lot of like connected dots are are made um in part one, we talked about his uh, his physique, right? We talked his physique kind of plays into into what we're about to talk about about to talk about here shortly. Mm-hmm. But his physique is that he's in pretty good, damn good shape. Yes. Um, and a lot of people point out that he has like very muscular calves. He kind of has like the calves that probably would have been either like someone that like ran a lot or was like a dancer. And then the popular theory is that he was a um, a ballet. Uh, either instructor or student or in ballet and some kind. Yeah. Um, cause he definitely had the body for it. Um, <laughs> and, um, I just, I, I think that that gets linked up a lot. You know, the whole ballet thing kind of like too much connecting the dots and we're basing it off of, cause one of the things that I, I hear a lot is like he had pointed toes and it's just like, yeah, but, like, I'm sure, like, this is also, like, that madman type of time period where, like, every dude was constantly wearing, like, dress shoes. And yeah, Stacey Adams and shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's no fucking, no one's rocking their filas. 
<laughs> like they're like wearing like they're like very pointed shoes with slick back hair and like smoking their finest cigar kind of thing. Like, yeah. This is this is not, and I'm sure that they're not just like sitting in the office all day. Like they're very much walking around all day with with these, especially if you're in good shape, like this guy appeared to be. And not only that, but people like when they got on an airplane, you dressed up. When people went to the movies, you dressed up. You know, like you know, in a suit and tie and dress shoes or whatever. I can't imagine going to see fucking the Eternals or fucking uh, Shang Chi in a fucking like suit and tie or whatever. This guy was at the beach in a suit and tie. No one thought anything of it. Yeah, it was like they oh. were like, oh, he's asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Mosquitoes are getting yeah. at him. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah like it. It seemed like in place because this was very much the time that people dressed like that. But I, I believe you had like a question. Um, yeah, okay. So I guess like let's link it back. So how did the whole? Um, I don't have it here, but how did the whole um, uh, ballet thing connect it to him again? There I was a reason why that came up, and I can't. I, I don't have it here, but uh, um can't remember why it was important down the line for him or for, for him for him like specifically specifically well for him specifically it was kind of just like a, a theory that was put, uh, floated around just based off of like his physical attributes like you said like the high calf muscles which was consistent with you know what the way ballet ballet dancers i don't want to call him a ballerina but um ballet dancers like because they're constantly like on their tippy toes and whatnot and then the way like his feet were smashed up or whatever Yes, it could have been from some Stacey Adams, but also could have been from dancer shoes, like when you look at like the rest of the body and whatnot. So that was like a theory floating around. And the way it kind of gets strengthened is a little bit is enter uh, Professor Derek Abbott. Uh, in 2009, um, he was a professor at the University of Adelaide, and he got really obsessed with this case. And kind of, like, you know how like you have like those teachers or professors like in college that always like have... Have you do like a little bit something wacky? I, be- I believe like there was a Mr. Martinez. He taught like the history of rock and like you had to go home and like listen to like a one of your parents' favorite albums or whatever and kind of like report back on it or whatever. Uh, but like one of the things he had like in his syllabus is like he would like have his students attempt to crack uh, the Summerton code. That so like those uh, those random letters that were in the back of the Rubaiyat yeah. uh, that was found. Uh, he would have like his uh, his students try to crack that, and I guess they got kind of far. Uh, because they did determine that it was a quatrain uh, format that was also used in the Rubaiyat, and that the key to solving it is you needed the original copy of that book uh, that was lost in the 1950s, the one they got turned over to the police, uh, because they believe it had something called uh, a one-time pad key, which was, you know, was used like in Russia and, you know, during times of the Cold War to send messages over, you know, across the Atlantic where like you had to have the original key and that would be the only thing that would be able to solve this. So the original Rubaiyat had this, but you needed that book to be able to do like computer analysis on. And that copy that the Tamam Shud that was located in was the only copy in existence at that time. So it was a very rare book. And unfortunately in the 50s it was lost. So it's probably will never be able to solve it because that's the pretty much would have been the key uh, to it. Um, but one of his colleagues, he uh, noted um, uh, that when looking at the Summerton man, uh, he had something um, um, and an ab- abnormality of his ears uh, where the upper hollow of his ear was larger than the lower ho- hollow of his ear. 
and that was only present in 1% to 2% of Caucasian people in the entire population of the world. Um, and Abbott, you know, Professor Abbott, he also consulted a dental expert and said that um, the Somerset men also had what was called hyperdontia, uh, which is only present in 2% of the population, which means basically, so like when you look at your teeth, like you have like your two front teeth, and then you have like those two uh, two other teeth to the side of your front teeth. And then on the side of those, you have like your fangs or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and w when you have hyperdontia, you don't have those other two teeth that are right next to your two, um, your buck teeth basically, right? So those are gone and that's called hyperdontia and only 2% of the entire world's population has that. Now, another person that had both of these traits was Jessica's son, Robin. Whoa! <laughs> I'll I'll be honest with you. I just googled that, and it was disgusting. Yeah, it's 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 Feel a free weird not thing. to Google that one. That's probably the grossest thing I've ever seen. It yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of weird things that the human body can create, and that's definitely one of them. Yeah, the ear thing. What's up with the ear thing? What does that have a name? Big it does ear? have a name, but for the sake of the podcast, to make it not too like grab. Jesus Christ, that sounds weird. This guy had a lot of weird like. Let's face it, he was a little bit inbred. <laughs> he was a weird-looking dude. And, like, the Summerton man, too, like, this is just my own analysis. It kind of looked like he had elf ears, if you if you want to look at it. Like, it looks like they kind of pointed at the top a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And so uh, Derek Abbott, obsessed with this case, he also obtained a photo of uh, Jessica's son, Robin, and noticed that, hey, he had that thing where, like, the the upper hollow of his ear and the lower hollow of his ear, like, it was it was flipped upside down. Like, it was it was... It was different. It had the same thing as the Somerton man. And then Robin also had that hyperdontia. And the chances of that happening, that two people in the exact same place uh, were having the same exact two characteristics, was one in 20 billion. Wow. That's pretty, uh, pretty intense. And so when Robin grew up, you were asking like how the whole ballerina thing comes into play. Robin actually grows up to be a successful ballet dancer. Oh, okay. And that's why people were like, oh, remember this guy? He had, like, pretty buff calves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So they think that, like, okay, it was, like, one of those, like, uh, genetic memory things where it's, like, you kind of carry on, you know, unbeknownst to him, like, his father's legacy or whatever. Um, but the thing about Robin, too, is, um, remember I was mentioning how uh, she wrote back Mr. Boxel that, you know, she was married already? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, she didn't marry Mr. Boxel until 1950. Um, Robin was actually born 16 months. Um, he was born, ah, he wasn't born at 16 months. He was actually born in 1948. And it was actually 16 months. He was actually born 16, ah, it's fucked up again. He was actually <laughs> born 16 <laughs> months before 1948. I'm sorry, I was reading the fucking my notes backward or whatever. So uh -huh. the time frame in which all this happened, you know, with the Summerton man's body being found, and Robin being born could have been a sign that maybe he was actually visiting his child that he had with Jessica out of the wedlock. And then something happened and he found himself dead um, on that beach shore. Possible. Uh, I mean, um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't think that that's like unheard of. 
that maybe that they had this like weird connection. Maybe she handed a lot of those copies out of the Rubaiyat. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a lot of dudes out there with Rubaiyat copies that are just. And she was like, eh, I hope like these a guys Drake don't, album. I hope these guys don't come back to sniff my underwear, <laughs> like a like a Limp Biscuit album. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, but unfortunately they did. This guy looks like he came back. I I think that's possible. I think that there's possibilities that there was some kind of like weird romantic element to this whole mm-hmm. thing and she just did not want to have anything to do with it at this point like she had gone past her like her like uh <laughs> red new york wearing hat days and like she's on a different phase of her life her now scarlet letter yeah and uh now she's um now she's basically like man i'm a, i'm an honest woman i don't want to have anything to do with all these dudes that have copies of rubaiyat now yeah and now they're coming back they're just showing up out of nowhere and um, I think that that's possible. I think that he may have showed up and he may have had this whole thing. Or been trying to show up. Or remember, been, remember the year before, like he tried, he was somebody. Yeah, to a neighbor's house. Yeah, yeah. somebody was looking for her yeah. or whatever, right? I think that's possible. I, th- I think it's possible that she knew him. I think it's possible that they had some kind of relationship. What I do find difficult and a little too, like this is like way too sexy of a story where like the daughter's like, she told me she was a Russian spy. And one time I heard her singing a song in Russian <laughs> and it sounded weird. And it was like, I don't know. I, I think the daughter's whole thing is just a total cash grab. I, I don't buy into really? the, the daughter at all. Like I'm just like, nah, nah. This is a little too just because there's so many of those stories like you hear that about almost every case like the black dahlia like my dad did it zodiac my dad did it. everything was like you know this is like the my mom did it version of it but it's just like everybody had their version of it around this time period where like there was almost no fact checking because there's like dna testing was like not a thing yet so like you couldn't really fact check anything um I'm surprised. They, I'm sure his bones are still around. I'm sure they could fact check it to the other kids' bones now. That's exactly what they're trying to do. Um, so Derek Abbott, for since 2009, he's been petitioning, uh, basically the city of Adelaide, uh, to exhume the body of uh, Summerson Mad. And he actually like was at the museum for a while, uh-huh. um, trying to do DNA testing on the Summerton Madden's body's cast. So I guess there was a lot of hairs. Like so, like when they cast his body. I'm assuming he had like a hairy chest or some shit, right? Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of body hair that got ripped off of the dead body. And so I guess um, Mr. Abbott, he tested three strands of hair and he did get like a match. And it was like the mitochondria, like it was a mitochondria uh, DNA analysis that he was able to get back. And that basically showed, you know, all of his mother, the Summerton man's mother's DNA history. So we do know that, you know, basically. He came from Europe, and that's pretty much all they were able to, to get out of it. It was yeah. like, here's a white dude, and he was from this area of Europe, which doesn't really narrow it down, doesn't really give any other information. Uh, so, so what he's been trying to do since then, then, is since, you know, from the, the hairs, he's not able to get too much, is have um, basically the city exhume the body. And um, let me go back on this. Is then since 2011... And I guess the first attorney general that he asked to do this said, no, we're not going to exhume the body. It's going to cost too much money. And there needs to be public interest and reasons that go beyond public curiosity and beyond scientific interest. So basically it was like, nah, fuck that. It's going to cost us too much money. Yeah. But in the October of 2019, before COVID, uh, the newer attorney general, Vicki Chapman, she approved the actual exhum- 
exhumation of the body. And obviously, 2020 happened. Australia is like North Korea. They didn't. They were on super lockdown. Yeah. Nothing was happening. But in May 19th of 2021, they actually did exhume his body. And to this day, they're still waiting for the DNA results to happen. So what's crazy is, and I'm glad you mentioned this, is because since they, they exhumed the body, they're going to do all this DNA testing. And, yes, they'll be able to get, you know, and I listened to like six or seven different podcasts, and they all went down the whole, like, scientific so what's going to happen is after about a year, we should have the whole genetic profile, which is like 2 billion rubisones or whatnot. And then, you know, each interviewer is like, well, how are we going to be able to identify him? And well, it's funny you say that. It's because Derek Abbott actually got in touch with um, Robin's daughter. So Robin, Jessica Thompson's uh, son, uh, he gets married and he has a daughter, uh, Rachel. And uh, Rachel, you know, he meets up with Rachel and he's like, hey, so basically this is my plan. We're going to exhume the Summerton Manning's body. We're going to do some DNA tests. But then I also need some DNA from you as well. And so she agrees. And apparently they exchange a lot of DNA because 24 hours later, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Abbott and Rachel, they actually get married. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. That was pretty wild shit, man. Yeah, he went too far. He went too deep. <laughs> you've 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 crossed the line, sir. Um, but... It's interesting, I and mean, we're still waiting on that, right? Because I saw this this article earlier today that said like, uh, Somerton Man case possibly solved. And it was like three question marks. Yeah, I, re- I looked at that too. Not quite solved yet, um, but I think we're we're. I wouldn't be surprised if we uh, we get an answer here in the next few years. Yeah. Uh, what? What? Well, probably going? in the next few months, because if it happened in May, which as of right now it's like what September twenty sixth right now, happened like four months ago or whatnot. Yeah. Four or five months ago. Um, I'm assuming they said like each, you know, scientist that was on there that was talking about this, they said it takes about a year, year and a half for them to get this. So pretty much any time now, if they, if they got enough, if Mr. Abbott got enough fucking DNA from Rachel, which I'm assuming he did because he's had a couple kids with her since, um, I'm sure they can compare it. And like, if there's any match between her and the Summerton man, then probably what our, our assumption is, is like, yeah, Miss Thompson and the Summerton man had some kind of secret love affair. But do you okay? A couple of things before I was I was gonna go down the road. But dude, speaking of Australia, shit down there is nuts right now. Like if we think if things are crazy right now with COVID right here in America, over there it's like there's like riots in the streets because people are like refusing to get vaccinated over there. Mm. It's wild. Anyways, so do you believe that um the the whole spy theory, or do you believe that I kind of like you? I feel like it's a convenient theory and i think the daughter like you were saying i don't think it's a money grab i just think that that's also her assumption too because i guess apparently yes uh jessica did know russian but there was a lot of explanations for it it wasn't necessarily like all those russian lovers she had probably oh maybe um it it wasn't that far in australia to be during this time frame to know a little bit of Russian. It's kind of like living in California now. Yeah, you're going to know some Spanish, even if it's just basic Spanish like uh, Azul or No Lechuga or No Saboya. Like, you know, like just the basic Spanish to get by or whatever, right? Like you're going to know Los Angeles, right? Same thing in Australia during this time frame. <coughs> there was a lot of Russian immigrants that were coming into the country. You know, they were trying to escape 
communism at this time. And, you know, Australia was viewed as a nice neutral country to live in. They didn't want to live in America where, the, you know, they were going to get blasted off the face of the earth or whatever. Australia was seen as like a nice neutral place. So it wasn't far out of the realm of possibility for your average everyday Australian to know some kind of Russian. So the daughter, Kate, she thought that, you know, she was some kind of spy or whatever, because also too, Mr. Boxel, the, you know, the lover that she had, you know, during, you know, World War II, he worked in intelligence. Now, that could mean anything. Uh, during this time frame, um, the body of the Somerton man was found during what was called the Verona Project, where um, the United States and its allies, which Australia was very much one of the allies, you know, they were intercepting a lot of um, espionage, uh, you know, messages and finding, you know, spies and whatnot. And a lot of those people were being, you know, buried with cement shoes, basically, you know, turning up dead. And this was also during the time of the Australian Security and Intelligence Organization, basically Australia's version of like the CIA and whatnot. So it wasn't uncommon also that a lot of spies or mysterious bodies were coming up missing because the governments, basically the allies were eradicating, you know, Russian spies and whatnot. Um, so that kind of gives weight to that theory as well. Also, Australia had two sites that mm -hmm. would, um, be of interest to uh, the Russian government or the Soviet government, I should say. Uh, it was the Adelaide radium heel, um, and, uh, uranium mine. And also the Woomera test range where they were testing, you know, you know, weapons that um, the Soviet government would have been interested in looking at. So there was po a possibility that, you know, there was some spy versus spy game going on. But I really don't believe it because it just seems like, OK, if she had a baby with this person, we're looking at a time frame in the 1940s where it was very frowned upon for women uh, to have a child out of wedlock Hell. My mom had me out of wedlock, and that's why I have her last name and not my dad's last name. So that's very something like in the mid-80s that was still frowned upon. I can only imagine how frowned upon it would have been in the mid-40s if she had the baby out of wedlock, especially yeah, if she's yeah. been known to have multiple lovers like this that she's giving Drake albums to, basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I think that that's what probably happened. She had multiple lovers. She probably had a baby with this guy, and she was like, "Oh, damn! This guy is uh, this guy reminds me of somebody I gave a ruba out to." Um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, obviously, it's not case closed or anything, but I think that that's probably way more likely than um, than they're Russian spies and all this bullshit. Mm -hmm. I also think you brought up those those that that classroom that was like, "Oh, well, we need this key and all this stuff." I I almost think that that's like. You know, if you give somebody just like a bunch of gibberish, they could probably make sense out of it. That's just like the human brain elements mm -hmm. of it, and like all they need is the one thing that they don't have to solve it. Yeah, and it's like that's that's just that's just the way the human brain works. Like you'll you'll figure something out eventually. Like even out of gibberish, you could just you'll find the pattern. It's fine. That's, like that's, satanic that's, back messages. Yeah, I mean you. Hear, oh, I heard him say, "Roll up the marijuana and fucking <laughs> smooth the doobie," and it's like, oh, that's not what he said. Like. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think that that's the way the human brain works. Like we try to solve these problems with maybe sometimes even there's no problem there. We just try to fix it in our mind. That's true. So how, so my question to you is, so how does this man end up dead? Um, I think it's probably a case of, uh, 
suicide. It sounds like he probably was looking for her probably multiple times. Mm-hmm. Probably was at the end of his road. Um, probably didn't want to put any shame into his family. I mean, suicide to, to this day, suicide is viewed as like a very like um, touchy subject. You know, like culture to culture, it's, it's a very touchy subject. In some cultures, it brings a lot of shame to it. You know, it's one of those things that a lot of times if people have family members that have committed suicide, they'll often change the story. Like, oh, they died of something else. They they died of dysentery. <laughs> like, or whatever it is. Because suicide is still viewed as very, like, a very dark thing like that people don't want to talk about. And then Kate, you know, the daughter of uh-huh. Jessica, she doesn't want them. She didn't want them to exhume the body. She doesn't yeah. want there to be any DNA analysis because... And then the the 60 Minutes reporter was like, well, why? And she gave a reason, and it just did not make any sense. It was just like, it just felt like she was just talking to talk at that point, just to like just say something. Just a bunch of word salad? Yeah, a word salad, just to throw it out there, just to be, you know, just to suffice his answer or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I do see that. That was my theory as well, because to go back on, you know, part one, you mentioned that they needed tweezers to get that rolled up to mom should out. So it seems like he put that there himself. It does. It does. It would, it'd be almost pointless if like a Soviet agent went through all the trouble to, all right, I'm going to take your pants off. I'm going to sew this secret pocket into your pants and I'm going to place this really specific, you know, uh, verse out of the Rubaiyad into your pants, yeah, and yeah. then the the police are going to find it or whatever, and it may may lead back to me. It just doesn't make any sense. Make for a good Hollywood story or a good two part podcast, but I don't think that was a thing. I think when people are in their emotions like that and are reading a book like the Rubaiyad, which is kind of a funky ass book, like I mentioned in part one, it kind of has some you know honorable death poetry in there like i said like you know it has some like nine inch nails kind of uh, flirtations with suicide within that book and for him to rip that out place that in his pants kind of maybe had some kind of symbolism like hey this is it this is the end either i'm gonna reconnect with my child out of wedlock or i'm gonna commit suicide yeah no i i agree i think that it's it was probably you know his way of like Live, li- leaving a clue. I mean, oftentimes when people commit suicide, they leave suicide letters. They leave, you know, little little markers to just, you know, just leave behind things. Mm. And I think that was his little marker of leaving something behind. I think this has suicide written all over it. I, I almost, it now, like, looking at it now, I feel like it's closer to open and shut, like this guy committed suicide. Yeah, he probably had a kid out there, and yeah, those other dots connect, but I don't know. Not not as mysterious now as I as I once thought it to be. Correct. The reaction of that lady does raise a lot of mm. speculation. And I think what happened to so in part one we mentioned like there was poisons and whatnot. Uh, I don't know if you brought it up or if I brought it up, but there was like a half smoking cigarette that was found like on his collar, um, which I thought was pretty weird. And what I think happened was that he actually smoked something like one of those um, those herbs that I a peace pipe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's there's something called sherm where basically you dip like a marijuana joint like in you know <laughs> a chemical uh, yeah. to get you even more fucked up or whatever. Um, I was thinking too like maybe he you know those poisons that the the scientists thought that you know it could have been maybe he dipped those in those poisons, smoked half of it. 
and then the effect started to take place. Maybe he did make contact with Jessica at that house and said, look, if I can't see my son, then I'm going to end it now. And maybe she was like very defiant and was like, no, I'm already married to this Prosper Thompson guy. Like he's already adopted, you know, Robin as his own son. We have another, you know, legitimate daughter or whatever. Like I don't need you over here bringing shame upon our entire family. Like, you know, just go go live your life being a ballerina in Russia somewhere or fucking, you know, Eastern Europe or wherever you're, you want to do or whatever. But like just kind of leave me and mine alone. And for him to hear that, he was like, well, fine. And kind of that's how he commits the suicide. Because when you think about it, it's going to enter his lung, enter his bloodstream, and then disappear. And I think that's why they weren't able to find anything, like, you know, within his stomach or anything like that. And that's why, like, all of his organs started to engroach. Because once it goes into your bloodstream, it's going to go all over. It's going to go into your brain. It's going to, you know, encompass all of your intestines and whatnot, which when they did the autopsy, everything was inflamed. Everything was congested and whatnot, which I can see happening. And maybe he passed out at her house on her front door, on her front lawn, on her neighbor's lawn or whatever. And maybe her husband, Prosper Thompson, or maybe a neighbor or somebody brought the body down to the beach to kind of dispose of it or make it look like, you know, you know, an accident happened or whatever, but to get it off of their hands. Possibly. I I think that he probably laid there. I know a lot of people focus on, on like the position that he's laying in and how like abnormal it is, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, once the human body dies, like the human body still moves around for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, well, somebody did see him like raise his hand, like on the beach. So maybe he was still having convulsions when he was placed there. Yeah, it's like any animal. Like if you ever like cut the head off a chicken, the the body is just like you still moves around for like another forty five minutes. Like that shit's mm-hmm. moving around. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's why it was laying so like weirdly. Like you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was dying for a while, mm-hmm. and that's what happened. Um, that's what I think. I didn't think that the position of the body was as as weird as a lot of people make a make it out to be, just because the you know. Even like when a cockroach dies, like that's not the way like the cockroach probably it probably didn't mean to be like laying all weird like that. Like <laughs> yeah. it moves around for a while. Like animals just do that. Humans do that for a while. Like, mm-hmm. um, so I think that's what was going on. But I definitely think suicide. I think I think that that lady knew him. Mm. I think that they probably had a baby together. And um, case closed. I, I think this is the closest we've ever been to to uh, solving, solving in a case. We solved it. Um, I, the reason why I do think that somebody placed him there is not uh-huh. because of the position or whatever, but what we mentioned in part one where the shoes were not scuffed. There was no sand like in oh, his trousers true, or yeah. whatever. And there was actually sightings of somebody bringing somebody onto the beach over their shoulders or whatever, right? So that's that's why I'm going down that path. And then why she would be so secretive, why she would have those reactions to the cast because she knows what happened. She knows that they they had an argument about them seeing baby Robin or whatever, and that her and Prosper probably like dumped the body on the beach. Possibly, yeah. No, that that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I think. Uh, again, the whole spy thing. Yeah, there there are the there's a lot of stuff to go down that pathway. But it kind of reminds me of the whole Elisa Lamb thing, where it's just like there's a lot of information that we're not privy to. And like you were saying, like the mind will want to connect the dots. It will want to, you know, the, the sexy story, the, what's going to be on the true Hollywood story or whatever, or last podcast on the left, mm-hmm. the whole spy fucking shit. But I just don't see it happening because I don't see a spy, a Soviet spy being this sloppy 
or this artistic with the whole fucking Tamam shoe uh, paper that's in his pants. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Case, Case closed. closed. Yeah. <laughs> Judge Judy. Done. So, Art, <laughs> do you got anything else on the fucking? No, that's man? it. I do think that this is the closest we've ever been to solving something, um, and I think that we're probably history will probably prove us right. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's it. Tell your mama you boo with two shall. It was a Jack Mattel. It was a Warren. Um, that's it. Tell all your friends and family go like and review the podcast. There you go. Um, that's it. I can't really think of anything else that comes to mind. So Spade sh- and New Year pets. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever that does come out, the results of the DNA test or whatever, I'm sure we'll post it into the Facebook group. Either Art will do it, I'll do it, or one of you guys will do it. So uh, if you want to be a part of the Facebook group, guys, just go to Art and Jacob Do America on all of the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, wherever you got a fucking social media, except for Twitter. We are at Art Jacob do a one. I'm not changing it, Jordan. Staying like that until we fucking till we fucking are found on a, uh, a beach in Summerton. Uh, but go to the social medias. Go to the Patreon where every single week we record a episode that's usually nine times out of ten better than the actual episode that you're hearing today. So uh, go to the Patreon. Donate one dollar. Donate five dollars. Donate whatever you want. But whatever you donate, you'll get a bonus episode every single week, as well as some nice little toys that I'll send in the mail every once in a while. Uh, so look out for that. Also a way to support us is by going to T public, go to T public.com where you see four different designs that we have up on our merch store. Um, and it's not so much to help us out monetarily, but kind of just help advertise the podcast. So if you wear an art Jacob do America t-shirt and you're going to the Kern County fair, that helps give us exposure, gets us more sponsors like caveman coffee and super apparel and now you and all those good shits so and it just and just in general helps get the good word out another f- f- friend of the family feel free to wear it to the current counter fire um <laughs> jesus christ i saw like people's instagrams of like them being at the current county fair and it's like dude it's fucking raining ashes what are you doing out there the <laughs> air is terrible COVID is still a thing. It's about and, our freedoms. And this thing sucks. Like, what are you doing? This, this is like, this isn't even like, this, this isn't even Six Flags. Like, you can pee in, on Six Flags. You can just like walk around with your dick out at Six Flags. That's how like thing, how bad things have gotten at Six Flags. This is like a step below that over here at Dis. Or, at, at, or you can go, you can go buy a T-shirt at tpublic.com and go to the Oogie Boogie Fest at Disneyland, like do I'll that. be doing. And it'll help support the podcast. We'll get a, a fly-ass fucking uh, cosplayer to be another one, a part of the millions and millions of our uh, fandom. Uh, but speaking of the millions and millions, guys, we are a part of the Podbelly Network. So, guys, if you like our podcast and want to hear other great podcasts, go to podbelly.com, uh, where the great and powerful Soul Kings, they cover the Summerton Man. Go check their episode out. Compare it and contrast with us. See if we did it just as good, if not better, than them. Go to my homeboy Eddie's podcast, the RRBG podcast, where every single week he interviews another celebrity. He actually he actually interviews the Summerton man. Yeah, he does <laughs> he does another seance and interviews the Summerton. No, he interviewed uh, fucking uh, Kate, <laughs> the oh, Summerton man's Kate. fucking or uh, Jessica Thompson's daughter or whatever. So I uh, check him out every single week. He uh, he has he had Mark Norman on, me uh, and Mark Norman on. That was a really good episode. So if you like comedy, you like fucking heavy metal. You love fucking UFC. He's he's had all the stars on there. So, with that said, Art, I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm 
I'm ready to knock this one out, man. Good night. That's all I got. Tame on your boo to the Good night. I think it's disrespectful to my brother. He's not alive, and he's not alive to say, oh, this is my story and I want to pursue it. Don't that... you want to know for sure? No, it doesn't matter to me. It does not matter to me who Robin's, where there is a genetic link. Oh, I'm a sticky bee. Don't we all own this story? Um, it's a great no, Australian story. I think, I think it's a big thing to um, exhume a body, and I think it's macabre. And I think it's got a kind of um, curiosity that's a macabre curiosity about it. Why do you think Kate says, leave him in the ground, don't disturb everything, stop meddling in our family affairs? Well, I can appreciate where she's coming from because if you, you think that your brother is your full brother, then there's an emotional attachment to that. So I can appreciate that. But then, in the end, she's not related to the Summerton man. So, in fact, this young lady has more of a call than anyone else. Yes, she has. Do you feel that? This is your business. People tell you, get out of it. It's our business, but it's actually your business. You're the one. Pretty much. That, because the unidentified man, Summerton man, is potentially my grandfather. So that, to me, is... is um, very important. Like this, that, and this, and uh, it's like that, and like this, and like that, and uh, it's like this. Then who gives a fuck about those? So just chill to the next episode.